What an amazing morning of pointing our attention toward the celebration of Christmas and our Savior's birth. I don't know if you've been followed along or if you've been here the last few weeks, but last week I concluded uh, the book of Ruth. And as I pointed out, it really is a Christmas story. I, some of you have come up to me and said, I don't understand Ruth. I've read it and I don't know how it's a Christmas story. But then after last week, uh, you came back up, some of you, and said, now I get it. Now I see the connection. The picture of Boaz, the kinsman redeemer for Ruth, foreshadowing our kinsman redeemer. Jesus and Ruth, who in full display represents all humanity and represents you and represents me. Boaz, if you're not familiar with the story, or if you are, let me remind you, Boaz was this kind of this upright, well-known, well-liked, wealthy farmer. And then there was Ruth, a young widow from a land of sin and darkness with no husband, no kids. And what appeared, at least in the book of Ruth, had no purpose and she arrived in Bethlehem as an outsider, wrong heritage, wrong religion, wrong marital status, and the only thing that she could offer her mother-in-law, Naomi, was to glean, was to glean the fields. That's all she could offer. And when it was time to harvest wheat and barley by the Israelite law, landowners were not allowed to harvest the edges of their field. Additionally, any wheat that would fall to the ground while, while harvesting had to be left for those to come along who were gleaning, especially for the poor. It's also uh, important to note that gleaning in those days was not an easy task. In fact, if you read or if you ask questions, you'll find out that sometimes gleaning was actually harder than harvesting. And the corner of the fields were often heavy thicket. And the fruits that remained there were usually few and hard to find and, and harder to get to and harder to glean. Gleaning the fields coupled with the fact that Ruth lived in Israel during the time of the judges when great moral corruption and, and lawlessness ruled the people in many ways, it put her in danger, it put her in risk. However, in God's providence, the rules of gleaning were evidence of God's compassion towards the poor toward the widow, the foreigner. He had gone way ahead of her, preparing the way. One might say it was coincidental, as you read all of the details. What we might say is that it was providential. God was working in the background, taking care of all of the details in the same way that he does in your life, in my life. Fast forward 27 generations and he fulfilled the promise of Jesus being born. 27 generations of people, some but not all, who were gleaning, if we use that word, get that imagery in your mind, gleaning through life. But with a greater hope that one day the Messiah would be born. You might remember where Ruth came from, Moab. Moab was this dark place, and in many ways it represents the fallen and, and, and the sin-infested world in which we live. It was a place of evil, worship of false gods, incestual relationships, sacrifice of humans, evil at every level. Fast forward to today, just 2,000 years later, here we are, all of us. And when we take our first breath, here on this earth, we find ourselves, so to speak, in Moab. Far from God. Surrounded by the wickedness and evil of our Moab, this world has to offer. Sadly, some will choose to stay and 
wallow in the muck of Moab for all eternity, believing that their Moab is all that there is. Many of you have recognized your Moab. You've recognized uh, this world for what it is, this fallen world, and you've confessed your involvement. You've confessed your sin. You've confessed your involvement in, in Moab, and you've left Moab behind. You've left the world behind, and you've become a citizen of a new kingdom, and you have a new king, Jesus. In other words, most of you have surrendered your life to Jesus and live with the hope of eternity in his presence. But let's be honest. Some of you are stuck in Moab, relishing and maybe wallowing in sin and earthly pleasure, convinced that this is all there is, believing that you will find satisfaction one day here in this world, in, in this Moab. No need to leave. Just keep looking. Just keep looking. As a believer in Christ, be encouraged. In every season, good or bad, there's an opportunity to glean and place our hope in God's compassionate love for us. It may be challenging or require bravery we don't feel that, that we have at times. Maybe you've experienced days or weeks or, or months or even seasons where you can't seem to find the end of the tunnel because there's no light. In the book of Ruth, God's compassion and love are expressed through Boaz, her kinsman redeemer. Glean, glean while you have hope. Are you aware of how desperate you are for God? Are you desperate for him to rescue you out from under the, the weight of sin? Are you desperate for his grace, for his mercy, for his forgiveness? The message of the gospel is devastatingly humbling. It, it tells us that apart from God's grace and, and mercy, we exist in, the, in a hopeless, impossible, irreversible state apart from divine intervention. All this to say, apart from God, our sin has created a serious problem. Our sin is, is the ticket that takes us to an eternity apart from God. But Jesus, our kinsman redeemer, is the ticket to an eternity in the presence of God. Just like Romans 6.23 says, and the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. The manger is a culmination of a promised savior and it points us to the existence of an eternal God. Jesus' birth and it was not a real-time solution in the moment when God realized that, that he needed to have an answer to this problem. He's always existed. He's always been the solution. Jesus' birth was not what an answer of peace because it was a time of chaos. He's always been the answer of peace since the beginning of time. I want you to ponder this. Without the birth of Jesus, there's no justification, there's no forgiveness, there's no freedom, there's no adoption as his sons and daughters, no redemption. Without the birth of Jesus, there's no hope, eternal inheritance, there's no power. Without the birth of Jesus, you are not loved, 
saved by grace, blessed or secure. Without the birth of Jesus, you carry the weight of condemnation. You're separated from his love and remain a slave to sin. You will never be a citizen of heaven or sealed by God. You will live in fear. You will lack love and have a troubled mind. You will lack purpose and wander through life aimlessly. But there is great news. There was a manger and there is a Jesus a savior of the world who offers the forgiveness of sin to anyone who asks. A savior who loves you, who justifies you, frees you, who adopts you, redeems you, gives you hope and an eternal inheritance. He has blessed you, extended grace and mercy to you. Do you know him? Do you know this Jesus that I speak of? Maybe you came in this morning and uh, as you're here and you're listening to this amazing music and testimonies and God is stirring in your heart. And you know that you're lacking something. You know that something's missing. And you've experienced this Moab that I described. And you're beginning to wonder, there has to be something different. And you're not doing that on your own. You're doing that because the Savior of the world is stirring in your heart. And he's inviting you to have a relationship with him. To have eternity in his presence. The forgiveness of sin. Is that you? What I'd like to do here for just a minute is, I just want to offer a prayer And if you're here this morning and you have never surrendered your life to Christ, you've never um, confessed your sin, repented of your sin, and said, Jesus, I need you to be my savior. I want you to be my savior for now and for all eternity. If that's you, in the quietness of your heart, I invite you to pray along with me. Would you do that? God, we thank you that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to this earth in the form of a baby who would grow up some years later and die on the cross and that his blood would be the remission of our sin. God, I have to admit that I am a sinner and that the wages of my sin is death, eternity apart from you. So God, thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to this earth as Savior and Lord. I respond now to the invitation that you were given me, the stirring in my heart. And I surrender my life right now, right here in this place. I surrender my life to you and I want you to be my Savior and Lord. Would you equip me to know how to walk this path in a relationship with you? Would you surround me with believers who can come alongside and show me. Thank you, Lord, that you are the answer. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus Christ is our majestic God from eternity past, our personal savior in eternity present, and our hopeful king for eternity future.